Hi, I'm Richard, the founder of 10 Adventures, and this is the 10 Adventures podcast. Each week, we talk to real people about real adventures as they explore this incredible planet we all live on. Welcome back to the 10 Adventures podcast. We are seeing the first snows up in the mountains, and this morning I felt a distinct autumn chill, and I know it'll soon be winter. While winter has lots of great snow-based things to do, it's also a great time to get away for some sun and to be active. Today we're going to talk about a place that I think is still relatively unknown as a walking destination, Israel. And here to tell us why Israel is a great walking destination is Erez Spicer, founder of Israel by Foot, a boutique walking tour company based in Israel. Hi Erez, welcome to the podcast. Hello, Richard. Really glad uh, to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. And hello, everybody. I'm super excited because I feel like we struggle with like great places to explore in kind of the northern hemispheres winter that offer like great walking and, you know, culture and all these kind of great things. And I feel like Israel might kind of be this place that at least I've been searching for. Can you tell me why you think Israel is such a great place? destination to explore in the northern hemisphere's winter? The first is pretty obvious, it's the weather. Uh, during the summer here it's uh, boiling hot, it's unbearable to, to do any decent hiking. Uh, but on the winter we have uh, perfect hiking conditions. We have, let's say, generally temperatures are between 10 and 20 Celsius, like uh, maybe 50 to 70 Fahrenheit. And uh, in the north, we have some rain, but in the south, we have deserts with no rain. So you have uh, no rain, pleasant temperature, clear skies. And I think it's uh, if somebody stuck in the middle of the winter is looking for some sun and he likes walking, it's, uh, it's a great opportunity. And then the best months are like really in the middle of the winter, December, January, February, March. That's like the, the best time of year. So that's, first thing is the weather. Another thing is uh, that I'm not, I don't know everywhere, but I, I'm sure there, this is the, the time of year that you have much uh, less places to go for hiking. I know like Europe and North, uh, North America, it's uh, too cold. In, uh, in Southeast Asia, it's, it's the rainy season. So there are not so many places. And if you like hiking and you want to do it in winter, we, we have a lot to offer. Another thing is that during the Christmas and New Year holiday, which a lot of people in the Northern Hemisphere are on holiday, it's not a holiday in Israel because uh, most of the population is Jewish and Muslim, so we don't celebrate this in this time of year. So first of all, it's not packed uh, with people, and also prices are regular. I'm not saying cheap, because Israel typically is not cheap, but uh, we have the same price during Christmas as any other time of year. Uh, you don't need a special early booking or anything else related to holidays. So. I think like all of this together makes it uh, attractive for winter. Now, I'm surprised you didn't mention two things that I've heard a lot about Israel. The first is there's really great food there. People like just come back saying, man, there's incredible fresh food, delicious flavors. 
And the second thing is the history. There's the religious history, but there's also history of, you know, the Romans and the Byzantines and all these, you know, historical places to visit. Uh, it, you know, you've mentioned so many great things, and then there's even more, from my point of view, at least. Of course, no, but but the question was why in winter. So I, I answered. <laughs> oh, good point. Yeah, I answered why in winter, not what what there is to see. I, I didn't say anything. What's to see here, and why it's nice to hike. Just why winter makes it like uh, maybe a nice choice because there are not so many other options and what whatever I said. But of course, we have you know uh, other things that. Uh, that are attractive here for hiking. If you want to go over it, let's let's start. <laughs> so uh, before we start talking about that, I'm just kind of interested in the geography of Israel because you mentioned in winter, one part has some rain, one part has no rain. Like, can you maybe describe like the different areas of Israel so you know people can kind of think about and understand uh, how it's laid out? Uh, yeah, sure. So first of all, many people abroad don't. Uh, understand how small we are when I say we are a small country. Like the whole of Israel, which is so much in the news, it's smaller than New Jersey. <laughs> or uh, it's uh, in the, the area, it's about 10% of the UK. So like it's really small. If you drive uh, with your car from north to south, it will take you about six hours to cross the country. And from east to west, between one and two hours, depending in which region. So it's like very compact, really, really small. But although it's so small, it has, um, uh, let's say, two uh, distinct uh, weather areas. The, the northern half of Israel has, uh, let's say, classic uh, Mediterranean climate, something uh, like you find in the south of Spain, south of Italy, Greece, countries like that. So we have uh, a wet winter. Uh, with, let's say, four or five months with rain between uh, December and March. Not a lot of rain, but we have rain and we have Medi it's, it's green area with Mediterranean forest. And uh, the summer is completely dry. We don't have a drop of rain between May and uh, September. So also the landscape is very dry in, in, in autumn and also even in the beginning of the winter until some rain uh, is, you know, feeling the, fed into the soil. And then the winter becomes very green and it stays green during the springs, during the spring and then dries out in the, in the summer. That's the typical Mediterranean. Then in the southern half of the country, we have a desert. And there, there is no rain all year. Like in, in summer, no rain, and in winter, just a few drops here and there. And the, the change is very, very quick. Like, uh, for example, during the winter, on the very north, we have one mountain, which is a little bit high, 2,000 meters. And uh, we have a small ski resort, not something that you should come to Israel for. But just to explain, in February, it's possible to ski there and then go into the car, drive six hours and uh, go swimming on the Red Sea in the south. So like the, it's really very fast change in a small area, which is uh, you cannot find in so many places. I, I I totally want to go skiing in uh, in Israel now. I know I <laughs> I go on Google Maps and it's like I just look at places and 
Uh, I remember I was reading a book about uh, Lebanon a year or two ago, and I realized they have all these like pretty good looking ski resorts in Lebanon. I thought, oh, I want to go skiing in Lebanon. But Lebanon is uh, is much better in terms of skiing. It, I think it's higher, isn't it? Just a bit uh, north of Israel, but they have much higher mountains. They have uh, peaks that are above three thousand, so they have much more snow than we have. Yeah, but like like I'm now thinking a, a great a great winter tour is you go skiing in Israel and Lebanon, and then you go skiing Lebanon, and then yeah. <laughs> well, if we go further south to Egypt, it's even more hot. So there, you can really uh, enjoy full summer <laughs> in the middle of the winter. So, because this is exactly the, um, you know, the, the latitude where the climate starts to change on the globe. Well, that sounds incredible. In, in terms of like where, where the best places to walk are, you know, what are some of the regions that uh, are really good that, you know, may, maybe, you know, I definitely won't know the, the regions, but are kind of like the popular destinations within Israel for, for walking? Uh, so, let's say in, in, the, in the north, we have... Two main areas that are different. The first one is called the Golan Heights, uh, which is like, uh, it's a plateau area. The, the mountain rises, but then it's almost flat. And uh, there the type of scenery is more of, uh, let's say, rolling hills and open scenery. And uh, you can walk long distances on relatively easy terrain. It's not uh, difficult to walk there, but you can cover distance and, uh, and the scenery is very, very nice. Very green during winter. A lot of wineries, if you like uh, to taste something along the way. And this is like its, its own special atmosphere. Then we have the Galilee Mountains, which, have, which are like classic Mediterranean with uh, forest and they are steeper. Uh, it's not steep in like like the Rockies, yes. It's steep for Israel, but it's uh, mountains with some streams and uh, uh, different scenery. So this is uh, the, the Galilee area. But in my opinion, the best hiking in Israel is in the desert. Because in the desert, we have uh, really, let's say, dramatic terrain. The, the elevation itself is not very high. It's maximum 1,000 meters. But uh, the terrain is very dramatic. A lot of deep gorges, uh, a lot of uh, different colors, color changing uh, very fast. The terrain is also uh, a little bit rough for walking. You have a lot of uh, rocks to negotiate, some scrambling, uh, narrow passes, uh, you know, near the edge of the ridge, stuff like that. So it's like more exciting and also very nice uh, scenery. What I feel when I hike in the desert, that it reminds me a little bit when I, compared to hiking in, um, let's say, al alpinic areas, that you walk uh, in the forest and you gradually gain elevation. And then at some point you reach beyond the... Uh, the line of the trees and then suddenly everything opens up because nothing is blocking your view so in the desert because you have no trees you are all the time above the tree line you, every small ridge that you go on you have uh, amazing views to all directions and uh, i think people who have not hiked the desert before it's it's a really unique experience in my opinion now now when you say desert i know i used to think desert was you know like you see in 
in movies, these giant, you know, sand mountains and, you know, just sand everywhere. But I've subsequently learned that a lot of desert is nothing like that. And it's, you know, it's like hard and rocky and, you know, these this idea of these beautiful, you know, sand everywhere. It's it's not really, really that. Um, in Israel, what type of desert is it? Uh, no, in Israel, it's, we don't have a sand desert. It's, this is like Sahara or, you know, Saudi Arabia. There are deserts like that for sure, but we, we don't have anywhere. We have inside the desert a few dunes, but it's not typical. Most of the, the desert is, uh, is, is rocky with mountains and a lot of uh, deep gorges. And we have actually three different deserts in Israel. The, it's, it's so small, but still three different deserts. The first one is called the Judean Desert. And it's uh, what we call a rain shadow desert. Uh, when you go from the Judean desert toward the sea, a little bit, maybe 20 kilometers west, you have rain and everything is green, but the ridge blocks the rain. So the rain falls only west of the ridge. And east of the ridge, it's the Judean desert, which is completely dry. You have just a few millimeters of rain during the year. And uh, what is typical in the Judean desert that there are a lot of uh, deep gorges, all of them going from uh, west to east. So most of the hikes is going through these uh, gorges, which are like uh, deep, dry canyons. And another thing that's uh, interesting and to, to make a hike in the Judean desert is there are two very, very famous sites of Israel. The first one is the Dead Sea, which is the lowest... Uh, Point, the lowest lake on Earth, 400 meters below sea level. Uh, and a lot of places you have good views of, uh, of the Dead Sea. And uh, we have the Masada Fortress, is, which is also something that almost every visitor to Israel uh, wants to visit. And justly so, because it's really it's an amazing site, both the historic story and the scenery. And you can combine both of them with the hike. Like, hike, visit uh, Masada and continue and see the Dead Sea. So this is one desert that we have, the first one. Uh, then further south to that, we have the Negev Desert, which is, let's say, it's the biggest in terms of area. It's much bigger. It's, it's a large area. It's actually the biggest region in Israel. And here we have all kinds of, of terrain. It's more varied. Uh, what is most famous in the Negev? In the Negev, we have uh, three craters. Uh, the craters are in Hebrew, it's called Machtesh. Like we have the Ramon uh, crater, Machtesh Ramon. And actually, the word Machtesh, if you look it up, it's also a word in English. And because geologically speaking, a crater is something that was created by an impact, like a meteor hitting the, the ground and creates uh, a crater. But what we have, it's, uh, it's a phenomena that caused by erosion. Uh, water under the ground uh, gradually, uh, I don't know, demolished the, the soil. This happened, you know, tens of millions of years ago, something like that. And then at some point, the ground was so weak that it collapsed. And this creates a, a big crater. The, the, there is a small one is maybe about three kilometers diameter, and the big one is 50 kilometers diameter. It's... Uh, like almost a complete circle, 
uh, with uh, very steep mountains around and a plateau in the middle. Oh, wow. And also the plateau is filled with a lot of, because of the way it's created, a lot of uh, interesting geological formations and colors. So this is, uh, all of these are three ones are uh, great hiking destinations. A lot of trails around them and crossing them and uh, etc. Uh, so this is the Negev, and then we have another small desert, that, uh, it's called Eilat Desert. Eilat is the most southern town, in, southern town in Israel, and it is on the coast of the Red Sea, which is the nice, a nice sea, and uh, there you have, what is uh, different there is one thing, you have the view of the Red Sea, which is very nice from the mountains, and also the colors there are more, more changing uh, very sharply and radically. Like you have red, you have uh, black, you have white, and this changes every few minutes. It's like a very different scenery. If you put me in one of them, I can tell you immediately in which one of them I am, because they are different. I'm interested on these desert uh, treks. Do you do you go through villages or where do you where do you stay each night and where do you get your your food each day? If you really want to make a serious hike in the desert and walk like a classic trek consecutively, like uh, you know stop walking and then pick up from the same point that you stopped the day before, then the only way to do it is uh, to backpack and sleep along the way because uh, there are only a handful of towns and villages. And uh, also it's problematic in terms of water because uh, you either have to carry a lot of water or arrange someone uh, to bring you water beforehand. Or another thing that people do is uh, there is something called, uh, we call water caching. That you, uh, before you start, you put, um, you cache water in the several places that you need. So you have during the hike every day you reach the, the water that you prepare the head. But it, it not necessarily has to be so complicated. We First of all, there are a lot of day hikes that you can make and also with a little bit of uh, uh, transportation and uh, wise logistics, you can also sleep in the villages and make some, uh, some trekking without uh, getting into this, let's say, more complicated way of traveling. So, so would that be something where, you know, you start in a village, maybe you get a taxi out to a point in the desert, and then you walk from there to the next village and, you know, you can fill up your water in the village, you can sleep, you can eat, but you can still kind of spend your days out in the desert? Yeah, exactly like what you said, like usually that's a, you, you start from a, from a village and then in the end of the day, you will arrange a, a jeep or a taxi, depends if it's like you know, on the road or not, we'll pick you up, take you to the next village, and then you continue walking from there or, you know, stuff like that. But like make a mix of some logistics and some hiking. Now in the desert in winter, like, is it, is it a case where you have to, you know, start really early because in the middle of the day it gets, it gets hot or is it kind of, it's, you mentioned it's like kind of 10 to 20 Celsius. So it's going to be there even in the, the, the middle of the deserts? Yeah, it's it's opposite. It's it's very it's pleasant in the middle of the day. Even in noon time, it's going to be perfect to be out. You know, in most days, weather is always statistics and uh, no guarantees <laughs> <laughs> for, for for cold and for hot. Yeah, but let's say typical day, absolutely no problem. 
even the hot day in the winter, you can spend all day outside. The problem is opposite. The nights are very, very cold. So, I mean, it's not a problem. It's not cold in, you know, Canada terms. Yeah, but it could be like five degrees in, in the night. In very cold nights, it could be close to freezing point. Like I, I had instances where I camped outside in the desert and there was some frost on, on a sleeping bag. So it's like really cold and early in the morning, it's very cold and it picks up fast. So start very early. Uh, it could be too cold for some people. <laughs> yeah, it surprised me. I did uh, in Morocco, we went to the desert and yeah, it was like as soon as the sun went down, it got, you know, the sand was still warm, but within an hour it was cold and in the morning. I think we could see our breath. And it was like, I was totally, this was, you know, 20 years ago. I was unprepared that deserts were that cold. And, you know, after reading lots of exploration books, you realize, oh, yeah, no, the deserts are, you know, they're so extreme. They're freezing at night and baking, you know, in summer, baking during the day. The difference of temperatures between the maximum and minimum, minimum is huge. is really, really big. And also you feel a huge difference between sun and shade. Like if you on a moderately hot day, you can sit in the shade and feel pretty, pretty nice. But as soon as you go out of this sh small shady area, then you, you feel something very different. Yeah, it's, 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 it's totally different uh, weather uh, considerations and, you know, what I deal with in the mountains here in, in North America or Europe. Um, you mentioned two areas in the north, the Golan Heights and the, I think the Galilea Mountains. What's, what are, you know, walking trips or trek? trekking tours like in those areas are those places where you can kind of go from village to village or is it still you know kind of complex needing jeeps and or taxis for transfers no there in in the north in the north it's different uh, no logistic issues and you can either do a lot of day hikes or if you are talking about treks then uh, there are a lot of options to go from village to village and spend each night in a bed and breakfast or something like that and and continue also because it's it's much uh, more densely populated of course so also you don't feel uh, isolated because it's uh, you will cross some roads and see some villages you'll not be like uh, away from from the civilization oh interesting i i hadn't i hadn't thought of that but so it's it's not not like um you know, walking in nature, you know, you're going past farms or... No, 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 no. I know. I mean, maybe I was misunderstood. No, it's walking in nature completely. But you would walk, uh, you know, a few hours in nature and then you would cross a road or see a village. And in the desert, you can walk several days and not see any road in any village. <laughs> so it, you know, it's, it's relative. It sounds to me like the Golem Heights and, and the Galilee Mountains... It's probably more like walking in Europe in that you have people living there in towns and villages. And if you like walking in Europe, you'll probably like those areas because they have kind of the modern conveniences, but you still are in nature for most of the day. Is that a fair way to describe it? Yeah, I, I would say yes. Like it, it, it's, you know, it's different. It's not Europe, but it's it's in, in the traveling style. Yeah, it's, it's like doing the, let's say, the classic into in hikes in Europe. It's. It's the same. Uh, it's probably the same. And so for someone who's never been to Israel that wants to do like a walk, how many days should they should they budget? Like, is this something where there's, you know, kind of seven day or 10 day routes or are these more suitable for, you know, long weekends? It's, you know, really depends. Uh, you know, you, you, we have the Israel National Trail, which is uh, 1000 kilometers. 
running from the very north to the very south of the country. And it uh, took, takes about two months to do it. So you can do two months of backpacking. And it's, it was named by National Geographic as one of the top 10 uh, long distance trek in the, on the globe. And it's uh, really a fantastic adventure. So this is like the, the, the one side of the extreme. And you can do also like casual uh, day hikes of uh, you know, two kilometers or 20 kilometers. So and anything in between. So in terms of that, I mean, it's, it's, it depends on the taste of the person. That, uh, there are a lot of options, but in my uh, experience and also my uh, opinion, Israel, as, as you said in the beginning, and we didn't get into that, uh, it's first thing before, let's say even geography, it's the history, the history and the culture, which are really, really special here. So most people that come here, that don't come only for hiking. They, it's usually a vacation where they want to see Jerusalem, they want to see the Dead Sea, they want I know, to see some other stuff, but because they like nature, they integrate it with a, with a hike or even, let's say, one week of a trek. But there are not a lot of people that, like, uh, people go to the Himalaya just for hiking. So not a lot of people go to Israel just for hiking. Of course, it's possible, but this is, let's say, not the typical case. And also, if someone has never been here before, I would not tell him this is the best option. I would say, okay, see Jerusalem, see Tel Aviv, see, you know, some historical archaeological sites, but don't miss out a good hike of four, five, seven days because we have some amazing hikes. And also what is nice here that it's all the hikes, any hike you make here is mixed with history or archaeology. You will always pass some interesting sites besides just looking at the view. And so it's, uh, it's a good mix for a vacation to do more than one thing. And, and so actually, you've started to answer my next question, which is, are there specific treks that are really historical? So, you know, if someone's a history buff and they, they want to be able to, you know, walk and slowly appreciate the history of Israel, is, is there one walk that you'd say, oh, this is one you should really consider? Um, I'm sorry to disappoint you, but I, oh. I don't have something like that because it's, it's like really scattered all around. I mean, it's not... There is no like one air which is historic, another one that is not. And like if someone asks me, tell me I'm interested in history, I can, you know, give him several walks that will have uh, also interesting history, depending on also what type of history is interested in. Like it could be Christian, it could be like, I know, biblical, it could be modern. So I would be happy you know, be able to, to give him advice. So, you know, if he reads, he will find it also without me. But it's not like there is a pass where I would say, okay, you walk a few days and this is, you know, especially historical. It sounds to me like it might even be something where if you really wanted to, you know, explore biblical history, it might be a series of day hikes that allows you to kind of experience that you can, you know, point them, you know, put together a plan that here's a series of day hikes on, you know, biblical history, or here's a series of day hikes that takes you to, you know, middle age fortresses. Is, is that something that, that is quite common? Yeah, that, that's, that's easy to arrange. And I will say another thing, okay, let's say if generally speaking, the north and also the center of the country, you will have, you'll see more history and archaeology than, than the desert. Also there, we have interesting sites for that. 
but uh, less. But, but still you'll have, like you, you can hike in the desert and see an ancient uh, Nabatian town or a fortress, but it would be less dense than in the, in the other areas. Now, the other thing I, I said at the start is um, I've heard from numerous people how good the food in Israel is. But, you know, I've only, you know, maybe there's three or four people have told me that. But, you know, as your opinion, is Israel, Israeli food as good as, you know, these anecdotes I've heard? Yeah, first of all, it's really good because I, I also like it. But I can tell you, from, I also worked a lot of years in a, in a company. I'm an engineer by my profession, and I had a lot of guests from all countries that come because for work to to sell something or to buy something, and then you have to take them to dinner also. And like 100% of them die for the Israeli food. So <laughs> I heard this from too many people. So it's it's truly true. <laughs> Yeah, it's it, it, again, it's like this unknown thing that you think, oh, I don't know, Israel, maybe they have good food, maybe they don't. But it's like everyone's, oh, no, the food is really good. You got to go there. And I've even heard the Israeli wine is like really fun to try as well, which, again, I wouldn't have thought Israel would be a great grind, wine growing. But I guess there's one area that is really good grapes or really good growing conditions for wine. Yeah, there are, there are a lot of uh, wineries here, you know, big ones and also a lot of boutique wineries scattered all around, even in the desert. There are some uh, areas with wineries, some types of grapes it's good to grow in the desert. Almost in every area we have good wineries to try and also where uh, breweries is also becoming popular, like boutique breweries. So you can drink and eat uh, a lot of variety. And the, the best thing is if you've worked hard walking all day, then you can eat as much as you want and drink as much as you want because you've, <laughs> you've worked off, you know, you have a calorie deficit. Yeah, you you earned it. <laughs> you earned it, exactly. Now, you mentioned, you know, you used to be a mechanical engineer. And I'm interested, you know, I, I was a, a consultant and now I'm in this industry. How did you move from a mechanical engineer to owning a, a hiking business? Almost by pure chance. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I, I love hiking. It's one of my hobbies. And uh, whenever I'm abroad with my wife and my family, uh, there is always hiking involved. Wherever we go, we'll do sightseeing and always also do hiking. And, and I, I realized that one of the challenges is, uh, is uh, getting the information, especially when it's, when it's not an English-speaking country. If, let's say, I, I went hiking in, in Romania, so it's it's very difficult to get information where to go, where to get the map, uh, you know, stuff like that, which is very easy for a local. It's, it's difficult for a tourist. And in Israel, it's even much worse because uh, we don't write in Latin. So if I'm in Romania, I can at least, you know, read the names on the maps and I, I, I can, but, but in the map in Hebrew, you don't understand nothing. So it's <laughs> completely confusing for someone coming abroad. And when, when I travel uh, abroad, I, uh, I, before the internet was popular, I was using a lot of series of books that's called the Sunflower Landscape Guide. I don't know if you're familiar with that. I've never heard of that. It's a British uh, series of books that uh, each one covers a hiking region, most in, in Europe, but also in other places of the world. And I, every country, I, I started with one and it was nice. And every time I, uh, I went to the next country, if they had a guide, I would use it. And I say, well, they, they should, and they are really, really good. 
if, if you are not familiar with the country. So I said, okay, I, we, I, I, need, I want them to have one from Israel, for Israel. So I, I wrote uh, the publishing company and I offered them that I will make the edition about Israel for them. Because every country, it's a local writing. They are just, you know, publishing company. And they, they replied with a very nice email, but uh, that they are not interested. Uh, and okay, and I left it at that, but it's, it, kept, it kept being in my head. And then after a few months, I said, okay, no, I'm not giving up. I will start a website to, to give information that if, if people come from out of Israel, it will help them uh, get information because there, were, there is no web. The, at that time, at least, there was no other website, in, not in Hebrew, with information. In Hebrew, you have amazing website, amazing map, but nothing in English. So I started to do this uh, this website. Uh, I, I didn't know how to build website when I started, so it was like you no know, learning while building it, everything. And it was in the beginning just offering information. I didn't even think that it would at any time become a business. And uh, I saw that there is traffic. Traffic is uh, getting larger all the time. People writing to me, asking questions. And uh, at some point, I uh, understood that there is more to that. And then I started to offer like uh, hiking tracks with uh, multi-day tracks, stuff like that, that, that can... Uh, also generate some business and uh, give more uh, hiking options for people. And gradually um, it started to pick up. It's, it's not what I make that my living from, but it's, uh, it's a nice additional income and I enjoy it a lot. So uh, I'm, I'm super happy this happened to me. You know, it's so similar. I did something similar and I started uh with quality route guides from Jasper to Montana, which is near where I live. And it's a place I've explored my entire life. And it just kind of took off. And then I don't know if this happened to you. People would keep emailing me and say, can you be our guide? Or can we give you our favorite hikes from other parts of the world? And soon I'm like, everyone keeps asking if I can be their guide. There's obviously a challenge of, you know, people figuring out how to, you know, how to arrange these tours for these places they're going to go. But I didn't realize our 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 histories were, you know, so very similar. I started for fun as well. Just thought, oh, I'll, I'll, it'll be a fun project just to kind of, you know, distract me and give me something to do on evenings and weekends. And now here we are, you know, you and I are both uh, uh, now uh, hiking and outdoor professionals almost. Yeah, it's, uh, it's funny how things, uh, one thing bring to another. Exactly, exactly. And then, and, and then there is also a second part of the story, which is not directly related to hiking, but it's, you know, to, to the point how things happen to us without planning. Uh, about two years after I started it, uh, COVID came. And then very soon, the, this bit, small business that started to do something collapsed to zero. So after a short while, I understood that, okay, I, I don't have a lot to do with it. Uh, and I was not sure if COVID is for 10 years or one year, you know, nobody knew anything. So I thought, okay, I know how to build website. This is dead now. What should I do with my free time? Also, I was, you know, was out of work for some time because of that. And then I s decided to start build an engineering website. 
And this uh, also started like as a hobby and this turned out to be something, uh, let's say bigger than the hiking website. So about half a year ago, I quit my, my corporate job and all I do now is manage those two websites. So if I haven't started uh, writing this lady in the UK to make a book, I would still <laughs> be working this corporate job in the office. So, you know, one thing to lead to another. And this is something I really like, you know, that happens to a lot of people. Uh, and, and what's your engineering website? It's, um, I'm, I'm a mechanical engineer and I'm, uh, the, the field in engineering that I was working all my life is uh, called machining. You know, CNC machines, uh, milling, cutter, lace. I don't know if it tells anybody of our audience something, but it's like a, a sub-niche inside uh, mechanical engineering. So, and I worked 20 years in this field, so I was, I, I'm, I'm very knowledgeable in it. So I built a website that's, it's like an informational website that uh, uh, helps people learn uh, different topics in this uh, field. And, uh, and there is a lot of online small calculators that calculate different, uh, I don't know, formulas, stuff like that. It's funny, I used to work in engineering and we actually, I'm on your site now looking at it and we used to build all this stuff. We had a little intranet that we built, you know, we weren't machining, but we built all these, here's the calculation to use for, you know, flow rate. Here's the calculation to use for tank sizing and all those things. And you've kind of just built everything. I look, it's a dollar fifty a month, which is <laughs> a steal, you know, $18, you know, like some of this, the software we'd use. I remember one of them was 27,000 USD a year for one license. Now it did a lot of stuff, but yeah, for a dollar fifty a month, you know, there's a lot of value in what you're doing. That's incredible. Congratulations on doing this. Well, I just think it's also for free. The the dollar fifty is if you want to stop seeing ads. Yeah. <laughs> so, but uh, it's yeah. I mean, I, I started it as complete hobby, and I was surprised at the amount of traffic it brings. I, I didn't expect it. That's incredible. Uh, well, Erez, I want to say thanks for coming on uh, the show today. It was great hearing about Israel. And also, it's really cool just hearing about your story, how you went from an uh, engineering job to an uh, uh, outdoor you know, tour uh, company owner and now a uh, tech entrepreneur with uh, the machine <laughs> doctor. Uh, and, and you're no longer in an office. What a great story. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, the engineering is really nice, but the big passion is the outdoors, no doubt. Mm, definitely, definitely. Uh, well, I'm going to share some links to some of the uh, areas we talked about in the show notes if you want to check it out. And and having looked at the photos of these places, they really are, you know, captivating. And uh, as you said, uh, Erez, the desert area, I can just imagine, you know, waking up and seeing the morning light or, you know, as the sun sets, you know, just, you know, being out there and it just seems like it's an incredible place to visit. Definitely. Some, if somebody hasn't been in a hike in the desert before, he should definitely do it. If, if he likes the mountains, he will, he will like it also, guaranteed. Excellent. And, uh, with that, thanks everyone for listening to this episode of the 10 Adventures podcast. We'll be back next week to explore the world and hear about more epic adventures. Listen to other episodes of the 10 Adventures podcast on Amazon Music at amazon.com slash 10 adventures.